Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Good morning. Open in your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs chapter 3, and we will uh, start there. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day and for this time. Lord, we just ask as we open your word that your word would open our hearts that we would find ourselves, Father God, just being completely enriched and enlivened by, by your word, Father. It lives in us, and, and we are looking, Lord God, for that living expression of you in our lives. So we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, we've gotten all the way to Proverbs chapter 3 in our process here. And uh, I just want to remind you that um, back in chapter 1, because we're going to get into this this verse in, in, in example in chapter 3 here. So I just want you to look at, at Proverbs chapter five and, or ch- chapter 1, verse 5 and following, where it says, A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. The under, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. Some of the times what God will do is he will explain things to us that have a natural earthly way for us to see them, but a not so natural way for us to interpret them. That's that enigma word. That's that proverb where, he, where what he's trying to do is to give us a way to create habits of the mind. So here's, here's the example that I'd like you to understand When you use your natural understanding, that habit has been developed over all of your life. Every teacher you had, your parents, they began to put into you certain aspects of who you are and how you do things. And they, as parents, you hope it becomes a habit of the mind. In fact, I've met a lot of parents and we've talked about sending children off to college. And what we hope is sometimes that what will happen is they'll get there and live like slobs like they do in our house. And then it'll break into their own brain that they ought to take care of stuff. Right. And, and what happens is we try and put those habits of the mind into them. But what God is trying to do is to get us to use that natural, that natural bridge, that natural gateway and say, oh, yeah, I understand this. And then he shows us the kind of riddle or what he calls an, an enigma, this this puzzle. And he's trying to show us these puzzle pieces. And so anyway, when you're processing the book of Proverbs, you will get that natural understanding that here's what it says, here's what you think it means, okay? And then as God just opens your heart, you'll see the puzzle pieces that God's trying to show you. You'll see the ways in practical um, understanding and practical experiences of how God wants to show you how his word works in your life. So once you seem to understand the natural part of it, right? So if a sower sows a seed, you all understand that. You've planted flowers. Maybe you've been in the farming or agribusiness. You've, you've planted those kinds of seeds. And then he wants you to understand that seed time and harvest are consistent throughout the word. It's not just about making a corn plant, a wheat plant, or a flower, Right. So there's this there's this deeper level that he's trying to show us. That's what God's wisdom does. So when we look at chapter one, we see verses five and six. And he says, listen, I'm going to show you how this how this works to understand a proverb and an enigma, a puzzle. 
And so when we get into each one of these times in any of these passages where we're able to process this, we kind of have to look for the puzzle, right? And say, okay, God, what are you trying to solve here? What piece of the puzzle are you trying to hand me? And that's where we are basically today in verse number nine of chapter three. So we, we got all the way through this. I encouraged you last week to take this passage where you know verses, you know, four, five, and six, and where, where you're finding that you're not supposed to lean on your own understanding, I would encourage you occasionally to read any passage where it has one of your favorite scriptures and leave your favorite scripture out. Find the context, because what happens is in all Christianity is that we like certain verses, right? How many of you got certain verses you really like? How many of you have ever studied enough around there and go, wait a minute, it's not such a good thing anymore. So for an example, how many of you know what, uh, what uh, is it Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the things I have for you, good things to prosper you. Do you know what's around that? God's promise that they're going to be in captivity for 70 years. See, that verse is not for you today, specifically. Oh boy, here it comes. It's for when you're in that level of captivity, you can take the principle of the Old Testament and surround your life. How many of you recognize that most of your bad times go on longer than you want them to? And so what happens is God promises us, I'm going to show you some good things. But he says that in context of the 70 years that Jeremiah is prophesying about their captivity. No one wants 70 years of captivity. Nobody signs up for that. Nobody signs the guest book. None of those things are good. 70 years, we all have Proverbs. Or Proverbs. Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh God, he's going to prosper us. He's got all these. I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying in context, there's a puzzle. He's giving you spiritual substance where you can process what you're going through and know that at the end of what you're going through, good things are designed by God for you. Even, I mean, the children of Israel spent 70 years um, <clears throat> not doing so great. And in fact, Jeremiah's conversation to them likely was in response to their whining. I know none of you whine, but... You know, occasionally what God does is he shows you a puzzle piece in the midst of those times. That's what an enigma is. That's where we start. Okay, look at verse number nine, because now we're getting into those habits of the mind. You'll have to, like we talked last week, you're going to have to write some stuff on your heart. You're going to have to develop some habits of the mind so that you can process the way God calls you to process. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 5, glory in tribulations. Well, good luck with that. Pitch a party every time something bad happens? No, that doesn't work for us. The word glory there literally means to, to the weighty or the weightiness of the presence of God. What's he asking you to do? Every time you go through something bad, look for the weighty presence of God. By the way, that'll help you because it produces perseverance. Right? Just write it in your notes. Go look at Romans chapter 5. You'll see it. Produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Work backwards. If you don't have any hope, you're missing some character. 
If you don't have any character, you're missing some perseverance. And if you're whining about the perseverance part of that, you didn't learn how to glory in tribulations, how to recognize the way you see the puzzle. Rather than saying, well, I just don't deserve to go through this. Yeah, none of us deserve what we already have. <laughs> see, how come this is, <laughs> when everything's going good, we say, we don't really deserve what God gives us. Yeah, that's a given. He chose to get, isn't that a great puzzle? I mean, honest. I mean, you know, look around the room and see if you can figure out that there's anyone here who didn't deserve what God did for them. It's not hard to find people like that, including myself. I didn't deserve that. That's not the equation God uses. And by the way, aren't you glad? Because some of y'all don't qualify. <laughs> see, no, nobody ever amens that. Why? Because we think it. We have... don't. Don't you have a habit of the mind? How many have ever been in a problem situation and thought you should do something? Where'd you learn that? Where'd you learn that habit of the mind? How many of you ever taught your children you can do whatever you put your mind to? By the way, that's not true. It sounds nice, but it's not true. You cannot do whatever you put your mind to. I know there are people out there walking on coals and doing all kinds of demonically inspired stuff, but, but you cannot do what you put your mind to just because you put your mind to it. Amen. Are you ready? Did I, did I get you to thinking about the puzzle part? Because what happens is you read Proverbs and because it can sometimes seem like the same thing over and over again, you never stop to recognize the puzzle. Which is, by the way, why this is here. To understand Proverbs and to solve the enigma. Look at verse number nine. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord. These are habits of the mind. Now, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. If this is you, just keep a smile on your face. Don't elbow your neighbor. Don't do any of this kind of stuff. But how many of you recognize that occasionally God will ask you to do things that seem to stretch you a little bit like a puzzle would. If you give away most of what you have, remember the woman with the two pennies? She gave away all, and Jesus was absolutely marveled by that. See, sometimes what God asks us to do doesn't fit in what we know. And so we don't honor the Lord with our possessions we complain to the Lord about the possessions we don't have. Come on. You all got those favorites. See, that's why I love Proverbs is such a great way to attack favorite scriptures. Because we have these favorite scriptures that we believe promise us things. Just like uh, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, all the good things, man, he promised. Well, that comes to help us navigate the captivity that Israel is in. The principle is... When you're having the worst time of your life, you should plan for what God planned to give you a good future, a good end to prosper you and not to take from you. When you read the, the book of Job and it says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Well, yes, if you're an Old Testament scholar, you see those kinds of things. If you're a New Testament grace-filled believer, you say, and the Lord giveth. And you stop there. <laughs> because by grace, he gives to us everything imaginable. Nothing we deserve. 
Right? Amen? So when we honor the Lord, verse number nine, honor the Lord's procession and with the first fruits of all your increase. All your increase. Did I ever explain to you the difference between Cain and Abel? Does anybody ever remember that? I can't remember where I taught this. Maybe it wasn't here. You know that, that one guy killed the other guy, right? Okay. Look at this. Mark your Bible. Genesis chapter 4, I think. Yep. Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again and brought his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of the sheep, Cain was the tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the first of the fruit of the ground. Now, if you look at verse number three, it says, in the process of time, it could be translated at the end of days. So here's what I think it means. After Cain had done everything else, he brought something to God. After he'd done all the other things, he brought something to God. It says in verse four, Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat. But the Lord rejected Abel and his offering, or but the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain his offering. Why? Because Cain brought, after the course of time, what was left. He brought what was left. And God said, I don't respect that. See, and it says that, that in verse number five, I think, um, Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Why do we expect for God to accept what he promised he wouldn't? He wants the first fruits. That's why you honor the Lord with your possessions and the increase or the fruit, the first fruits of all your increase. Not what's left over. Now, I'm not trying to encourage you to give. I'm trying to get you to understand the puzzle. If you wait until everything else is fixed, God is at least number two in your life after you. I'm convinced that God is not pleased in a general way when he is not number one in your life. Thank you for your enthusiasm. When you put anything before God, why would you expect for things just to go well? Well, here's why. Because you know Jeremiah 29 11, a promise to prosper you, a promise to bless you. But you understand that conditional promises of the Old Testament need to be hooked up a little bit differently. Because they're not based on grace entirely. They're based on obedience. Now, I'm not wanting to get back to an obedience-based, work-based thing. I just want you to understand the puzzle. The principle is still the same. God, listen, here's where most people struggle with this. No, here's where some people struggle with this. Here's Here's where I struggle with this. Many people have a hard time figuring out what to do with doctors if you believe in healing. God does not care a lick if you go to the doctor. He cares in my, now remember, I'm giving my own example here. He cares when he's number two in your life. If you pray, I've prayed often and had God say to me, go to the doctor, or my impression was. 
So there are several ways to interpret this. You understand that if you don't hear anything from God, it's not because he's quiet. It's because he's already talked to you. If you got this book and you're asking God for your problem to be solved and God doesn't say anything, I will flat guarantee you he's spoken to you about what's in this book to solve your problem. But what do you want? You want an easy way out. So you put your Jesus visa card in the swiping mechanism of heaven and wait for something to be poured out. And then you blame God when nothing gets poured out. Huh, you've got to honor God. What does that mean? Put him first. Proverbs chapter 3. Are you tracking with me? Don't, don't, you know, don't get mad at me now. These are not, I'm just reporting to you. And many people, they don't honor the Lord because they don't understand honor because they're captivated by self-serving. <laughs> Uh-oh. How many of you have ever had an attitude when you've had to wait? Why? Because we are by nature as humans self-serving. Right? We don't like waiting. How many of you, how many of you love the idea that nobody's going to give you a plastic bag anymore? <laughs> and, and... They're charging you 10 cents for something that costs a thousandth of a cent. And then you ask, well, you see, it's all happening while you're standing there, right? Then you ask yourself, what are those people going to do with that 10 cent bag? What are they going to do with the 10 cents? And of course, people have been asked that a lot. And so, well, they say, you know, well, 60% of it goes here and 40% of it goes here and something, you know, and that's what they tell you what they're going to do with 10 cents. You don't care about 10 cents. Some of you have a threshold for how far you'll bend over for the, for the denomination of the coin that's on the ground. I had a coach who wouldn't pick up pennies. When I became an adult, and he and I used to kind of ride bikes and work out together, and we'd walk by and said, Dick, don't you want to pick up that penny? Since the last time I picked up a penny, I broke my ankle. He ain't picking up no pennies. I stopped when I was riding my bike one time by the junior high in Ray because I saw what I thought was a shiny dime. It was a shiny dime. Somebody had thrown a whole bag of change, almost $3 worth of change out. It was all in the gutter underneath the leaves. I just followed the trail <laughs> and picked up all the money. Well, come on, just be honest. We have a threshold. What will you bend over for? And the older you get, the higher. I, I saw what I thought was a dollar bill rolling down the street one time. It was all wadded up. So I chased that thing down with my bicycle. You got to understand, there's a puzzle. It looked like a dollar. But when I unfolded the puzzle, it was a 20. <laughs> Tell you right now, I'll stop for a 20. You got to honor God. <laughs> You understand, when you have a habit of the mind, it needs to be broken by the wisdom of God. Are we still on the same page? So if you don't honor the Lord with your possessions, you won't be understanding the puzzle. 
How many of you know that the Bible seems to suggest that God will give you more than you have? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think or even dare to ask or think. We want that. Well, then honor the Lord. Do you see the puzzle? Look at here. And the first fruits of your increase so that your barns may be filled with plenty. Now, if you if you miss this. You'll think it's about the barns. Why would God want to fill your barn? Okay, how many of you are already processing the fact that you want God to fill your barn for you? (laughs) Right? Yeah, I want God to fill my barn. Why? Why do you want God to fill your barn? Well, and then you go into what sounds like self-serving propaganda. The number of people in my ministry life who have come to me and say, Pastor, pray that I'll make more money so I can tithe. Okay, sounds reasonable enough. Don't, doesn't the church want your tithe? church doesn't want your tithe. The church is not in it for the money. It's in it for the harvest that abounds to your account. But you missed the puzzle. Amen. So your barns be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. You understand that if your vat overflows, that you have a problem. Don't you? Come on. How many of you would just like your vat to at once in your lifetime to come to the top? Right? Just, 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 just you know, let's play even, even here. I'm telling you what, that is a selfish prayer if you don't include what God intended for you to have, which is for you to have a full barn and vats overflowing so you can be a blessing to others. I was talking recently with a group of people. And we were talking about how hard it would be to spend a specific amount of money. So let me help you. A million dollars in today's economy in cash in the bank would produce about $6,000 a month in static income. Now, maybe the first 6000 you go, well, I got a plan for that. I got a, I got a credit card bill and got this and I got that. So let's just keep that $72,000 a year. So pretty soon you pay off all your bills. Six grand a month. Just keeps churning at you. Seventy-two grand a year. If you can't spend it all, the interest just went up. And sooner or later, you run out of things to do and you need a plan to get rid of the million bucks. But all you can see when you don't understand the puzzle is the six grand, not the million. Because you're saving the million for a rainy day and it's raining the Holy Ghost every day. But all we're looking at is the six. Why? Well, because, Pastor, you know, we've got to keep this. God already asked you for it. He wouldn't have given it to you without an understood problem. What are you going to do with what God owns? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Come on. He didn't give it to you so you could have it. He gave it to you so you would understand how to follow his principles. Now, this might be offensive, so just ratchet back a little bit and love me anyway. If you don't have the first part of what you think you're supposed to have, it's because you didn't handle the seed that God gave you correctly.
Your future is not determined by the harvest you get. It's determined by the seeds that you sow. The harvest, see, that's why I have such a, I just have a heart problem with lotteries. Okay? Because the nature of a lottery is to give you back 50%, give the people back 50% of everything they put in. Just telling you, that is stupid on steroids. Because I will do that all day long with you. I will go take money out of the bank to play that game with you. You give me a buck and I will give you 50 cents all day long, every day until you die. I am in, all in on that one. That's a bad plan. Wisdom suggests that if you give to God, right, it'll reproduce after its own kind. But if you go to the world, you'll think you'll be satisfied getting 50% back of everything you put in. Just telling you right now, go back to school and do the math. That ain't never going to work. So people say, pray, pray for me to win the lottery. Why? A huge percentage of people that win lotteries are broke within five years. Okay, I'm not picking on, I don't know if you heard what she said. She said, oh, that's sad. How many of you are still broke after five years? You won the God lottery. And you can't handle it. All God is asking you to do is to give 10% of his stuff back to him so that he can bless you and the people around you with it. <laughs> See, people, this is always fun when it gets to this point, Lola, because people realize that their barn's being full. The only reason they want it being full is because they want to bless themselves. That's not an. That one story about I'll just build more barns. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said, but if your life is required of you, yeah, tear it all down. You know, if you tear it all down, here's here's it's not in that passage, but here's an interesting thing. What do you do with what's in the barn when you're tearing it down? What? Why do you put your seed in a barn? Hopefully, to protect it from what wants to destroy it. In fact, Malachi chapter 3, if you want to read that, verse number 11. Sorry, we've got, how do we get down this rabbit trail? <laughs> Malachi chapter 3, verse number 11 says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There may be meat in my house, says the Lord. And, and I will rebuke, verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer. If you look up that word, it means seed eater. Huh. So, so God promises to rebuke the devourer. Why do you build barns? To keep the, devour, the natural devourer. Come on. How many of you have ever put mice or rat poison in your barn to get rid of the mice? Because they're eating your stuff. Amen. Your vats will overflow. New wine, verse 10, verse 11. Do y'all, are y'all okay with this? I know it's just two verses and I know I've made a big deal out of it. But remember what we're trying to do here. We're trying to create a habit of the mind. I would love to stand out in front of those places that sell lottery tickets willy-nilly to people who largely don't have... This is a 50% tax on poor people and people who don't think right. Sorry, if you are a lottery person, bless your heart. 
Okay, and, and you can go ahead and say everybody I've talked with like this, they, 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 they will say that they win more than they lose. And I just got to tell you, that can't possibly be true because the nature of the game is to keep 50% of it. You'd be better off putting your money anywhere other than there. I mean, even the world in the system the world has says your money will double in seven years if you just put it in a bank. Well, amen, I knew that would be really encouraging. (laughs) So why does verse 11 come on the heels of verse 9 and 10? He's giving us practical, mental exercises to change the habit of your mind. He says, my son, do not despise... The chastening of the Lord. What's chastening mean? Correction or discipline. Think about it for just a second. How many times does the discipline of the Lord come across to you as harsh? He's trying to save you from something. And you say, well, that doesn't feel very good. Well, duh. He's trying to fix your future. How many of you recognize in your children, when you discipline them for their behavior, you're just trying to create a different habit of the mind? Okay, here's how some of the young people talk and think today. Did you know that there are people on the internet now who are selling their wisdom for advertising money? They'll get on there and they'll tell you how to do this or how to do that, right? And they'll influence you to buy makeup, food, clothing, cars, whatever. And the people who they're advertising for will pay them. How many think that'd be a good gig? I'm just telling you right now. Woohoo! I would love to be an influencer. Because I would like to influence the people on the internet to follow after God. And I'd like people to pay me for it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm already doing that. And the church is paying me for it. You see how goofy this is? But people say, I need to do something else. What's their motive? Self is the motive most of the time. Do not despise what? When the Lord disciplines us, he's trying to get our self out of the way. When you discipline your child, you're trying to get self out of the way. Right? Come on. If you've got a four-year-old, I will tell you right now, they are beginning to believe that they're smarter than you. By the time they're 10 or 12, you're the dumbest person breathing By the time they're 14 or 15, you couldn't grab yourself in the dark with both hands. You're so dumb. And by the time you're 25, your parents are going to get real smart. Because real life has a way of grabbing you like a hairy hand in the dark. Well, why are you in the dark? Well, because I despise the the discipline of the Lord, which puts you in the dark. It's only three verses, Pastor. Just let it go. 
nor detest his correction. Detest evidently means to hate it. I hate it. No, you don't. I've never met anyone who hated it. What they hated was being being caught. I don't I don't hate the state patrolman when they pull me over. I hate getting caught. Because 99.9% of the time, I get away with it. In fact, I, I told somebody the other day, I was sitting, I thought I was being real cool. I said, I haven't had a ticket since my youngest son was a baby. And I got caught by an airplane flying over a highway in Nebraska, where the engineers graduated at least from first grade. And I went down a one-way street the wrong way because it was the shortest distance between two points. And so that I wouldn't mess with the traffic flow, I did it at over 80 miles an hour. Because just in case, you know, you got to get, you got to get in there quick. And the airplane caught me. Yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> and so when the guy pulled me over, they didn't really pull me over. They're up there and he just wait. You know, you know when they're standing in the highway and they're doing this? Right? They're just pulling people over, right? And I'm thinking, oh man, he caught me going down the wrong way street. He says... We clocked you at almost 80 miles an hour. I said, well, how'd you do that? We got an airplane. I said, didn't he see me going down the one-way street the wrong way? <laughs> okay. <laughs> how many of you, honestly, how many of you think it's the policeman's fault that you got caught? We hate getting caught. By the way, God will allow you to get caught to educate you with the puzzle of life. That's why we detest his correction. For whom the Lord loved, verse 12, he corrects just as the father, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Do you see the discipline comes out of delight? Come on. Part of the puzzle. That's why he says, don't let your anger get going. When you discipline in anger, you're outside of the grace of God. You discipline in delight. Do you see it? I love my children. Well, while you still love them, discipline them. Because when you end up in that spot of the, the, the I think the Greek word is O-R-G-E. It might be the Hebrew word. Terry can help me. For, for anger or for wrath is O-R-G-E, orgy. Where it's taken control of you. And wrath, see, he says, he, son in whom he delights. Verse 13, happy is the man who finds wisdom. How do you find wisdom? You've got to be looking for it. See, he's giving us these examples in how to train your mind. If you're looking for an easy way out, you will not find wisdom. I really thought that would be a good point. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Do you know how to gain? Pick up what you find. You found understanding in the wisdom of God. Do you see it? See, you can't, you can't gain understanding by accident. You need to pick it up. When you find it in the puzzle of life, pick it up. Put it in works. Around you for her her proceeds. What wisdom and understanding? Notice that he gives a personality to the wisdom and the understanding. Her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. 
Wow. Uses a, 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 a precious metal. Her gain than fine gold. Are you processing with me? This is part of the puzzle. This is more valuable than the most valuable things that you all know about. Now, unless you're really good at precious metals, most of you don't know anything that's more precious than gold. I mean, it is, it's right at the top. If you're real smart, you know, maybe, maybe you figured out that platinum in most cases is a little bit more expensive than gold. Maybe, you know, but gold, pretty good, pretty good shot across the, the bow of value there. More precious than rubies. Now, here you go. Are you ready? Verse 15. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. See, forget whether you know anything about gold, silver, or or precious gems, rubies. It's more valuable than anything you could ever possibly desire. Do you see why wisdom is pretty important? Why you have to change this habit of the mind? The habit of most of our minds is the most valuable thing is our comfort. The most valuable thing is our comfort. I remember one time I was dealing with a family that was using um, government help. And they got $440 a month in help. Now, this is years and years ago. And you don't know this person. Years and years ago. And they came to me and said, Pastor, we can't make it on $440 a month. I said, did you know that your statement is absolutely positively unbiblical? What's at the center of the question? We can't make it. God never designed you not to make it. Better question is, God, how can we make it? Wisdom is a greater treasure than anything you could ever desire. Including how do you make it? You know, we taught that family how to tithe. But we held it for a month just to show them it would work. So $44 in a little envelope. And I said, if you don't have money left at the end of the month seeking God and finding understanding, I'll give you this $44 back. There was money left at the end of the month. And I said, now what do you want to do with the $44? And they said... Well, what do you think? Don't, don't, shouldn't we give that to God? <laughs> yeah, wisdom just snuck up on you. Want to do it again next? Okay, if there's money left at the end of the month, all your stuff is done, there's money left, you can do it the next month, put your $44 in the offering or wherever you choose to give it to God, and at the end of that month, there's going to be money left too. And at the end of the year, there's going to be money left. And at the end of two years, there's going to be money left. That's how God does things. Well, pastor, I just can't believe that you believe that. I don't. God does. I didn't make this stuff up. God believes it. You don't have to make it up. Just join with him. Notice he says then, verse 16, And the length of days is in her right hand, and in the left hand, riches and honor. This is wisdom, personified wisdom. It's changing the way. See, most people don't want to live a long time because they don't want to live in the problems that they have today. Come on. How many of you had 
Listen, my wife and I have been through a mountain or two. And occasionally, it almost seems better to be with Jesus. It'd be so much better. Just be, you know, everything would be gone if you're just with Jesus. You know, I mean, isn't, isn't that what Fishman did, um, Jonah? Oh, it'd be better, God, sat under a broom tree, hoping to die. <laughs> I think God has the greatest sense of humor. The broom tree died. <laughs> if you want to die, don't sit in the shade. I can figure this puzzle out. See, a lot of people say, I want to die, so what do they do? They sit in their easy chair. There's lots more ways to die than to sit in your easy chair, hoping for comfort. You don't want that. (laughs) Her ways are ways of pleasantness, verse 17. All her paths are peace. Um, Let me point out to you that if you're not operating in peace in your personal life, you're not seeking wisdom. The Bible says all her ways, all her paths are peace. I didn't make this up. You say, well, I don't have any peace. You evidently aren't looking for any wisdom either. Thank you. These are all really good. These are good, right, God? These are good points. Verse 18. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. (laughs) Um, I'd encourage you to take hold. Let's keep looking. And happy are all who retain her. Man, that's a good one. How many of you know what it means to retain something? You've got to hold on to it. Come on. How many of you have ever had a, like a, a good luck thing? A co- I had a good luck coin, okay? I used to carry it around till I almost spent it. And I went, well, well I, I need to protect that. I've got to retain that. It was a coin my grandfather gave me. My grandfather died in 1970. Been a long time ago. He gave me a coin. I decided to retain that coin. Well, I don't carry it around today, but I know exactly where it is because I'm retaining it. And as I get a little older, I'm going to give it to one of my grandchildren because my grandpa gave it to me. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to give him the luck story. I'm going to say, if you'll learn how to retain this when you give it to your grand, it's an 1886 silver dollar. See, what did I just tell you? So you all know what the value of silver is. 1886, dang long time ago. Yeah, keep on. Now, you see, if you had it, you would hold on to it. Why am I holding on to it? Because of its value, inherent value? I don't even know what it is. My grandpa gave it to me, and I'm going to give it to one of my grandsons. And I'm going to give him the lesson of how to retain something. Because I'm assuming if you took it today to a coin dealer, you might get a few hundred dollars for it. I, I don't even know. You all, some of you who, who want to fill your, your barns up will go out and do research and, and you know, tell, you, you tell me when you get figured out how much an 1886 silver dollars worth. Okay, come tell me. And I will tell you that the wisdom that held on to it is worth more than whatever that coin's worth. 
Verse number 19, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heaven. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down. The Notice that God set everything in motion by wisdom. Verse number 21, my son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. There'll be life to your soul, grace to your neck. I love that. I'm telling you what, I love when my neck has some grace. You understand, you can't go anywhere without your neck. Right? My neck's got some grace. I can't ever go anywhere without it. If you try to leave here without your neck, we will have a funeral on Wednesday. For you. Because you can't go there without your neck. Amen? All right. So praise the Lord. Are you getting it? See, that's why I wanna, when we take you down this road, we're trying to create a new habit of the mind. You've got to identify some of the old habits. Amen. And he'll do that in Proverbs. So you keep reading that and all of a sudden he'll identify the habits of your mind and how you think. And some of us think goofy. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. We just bless you, Lord Jesus, for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.